1: Hi there, my name is John Paul Kermy. I am a breathwork teacher. I train people on how to teach breathwork as well. I'm really excited to be doing this new podcast with my good friend Feldy called Hangups, where we're gonna help you change your life. We're gonna show you how to transform your life with different tools. That's right, I'm John Feldman. I'm in a band
2: called Goldfinger. John Paul taught me breathwork. It changed my life. I have struggled with anxiety and depression throughout my life, and I've gotten through it. This is a solution-based show. We're talking about solutions to problems today. Thanks Ashton. Thank you for coming on board. We've done a few of these already, John Paul and I. And I think you've met John Paul at a couple of my parties probably, right? Yeah. I'm doing the Laird Hamilton Bulletproof lately with the MCT and the ghee butter. It like, it like supposedly dissolves the caffeine throughout your bloodstream slower. Yeah. So you have a longer caffeine high, I guess.
1: Yeah, the, the MCT oil and the Bulletproof coffee, right? Dave Asprey Bulletproof. That's-
3: yeah, that's what I'm doing right now.
1: Yeah. I did a session with Dave. Cheers. Cheers, man. I
3: Cheers. rely on the regular coffee. I drink three cups in the morning and I try to write a song instantly.
2: <laughs> yeah, I do the same <laughs> thing. I just wrote this this kind of like it has like a like a blackbird kind of bridge. I just had my first half a cup of coffee. I wanted to save my little buzz for our conversation. So I this is my first cup of coffee, and then I just picked up my acoustic guitar and wrote this like kind of like major, minor, Beatles E bridge to it, you know? It's like when you're in a songwriting session and someone says, let's listen to some music and write a song like this. If I'm not in that headspace, it's just hard for me creatively to say, all right, I feel like writing like a somber Blackbird style song like I'm doing today and someone comes in the studio and wants to write like a full up-tempo Slayer jam. I'm like, fuck, how do I get with that when I'm not in that state of mind? I guess you do what you do.
3: Do you prefer when people bring in full ideas or?
2: I mean, for me as a writer, I just like to start blank slate. Like, I mean, and, and every session is different. Like kind of like what you and I did with the fame on that Summer is a Curse song. Like you, I mean, I came in blank slate and you came in with the fucking full song. And I'm like, holy shit, this is this is a fucking epic song. And it's like you know, I offer a little bit of help of maybe arrangement, but you have like a great idea. And then there's songs like Outer Space, where I had sort of a fleshed out chorus. And then we collectively put it together later. But I mean, it's always different, isn't it? Every song is different.
3: Every single time. That's the best part.
1: Ashton, you were saying you got to crank it out first thing in the morning, right? Do you feel like that's like your most creative time? Because I feel like if if I do writing, I have to get it out first thing when I get up, like after I have my coffee. Otherwise, like, after two hours I'm toast.
3: Yeah I have an afternoon slump so I've been learning how to produce so I rely on the first three hours four hours of the day to write lyrics and melody and structures and then I voice memo it and then when I'm no longer caffeinated all afternoon from about 12 to about six I'll try produce a demo because it's more technical I'm just clicking around like tracking things and whatever so and then I get re-inspired at not
1: <laughs> I have a secret weapon that I use in the afternoon and it's a float tank. Have you ever heard of these things? The sensory deprivation tank?
3: Yeah. All I have is an industrial freezer that I share <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> with Matt Pauling, who I live with. <laughs> oh, okay. I go in this float <laughs> tank at
1: like three or four in the afternoon when I want to nap and it just drops you down like into theta brainwaves. And you can go in there and come up with all these crazy ideas. It's amazing. So it's, 10 inches of water and 800 pounds of epsom salt and it's pitch black so it's crazy so they say that 95 percent of your brain's input is taken up from your senses gravity hearing seeing and this turns off all your senses so your brain has all this extra power so that's amazing yeah it's a pretty cool thing i'm super stoked i have it in the quarantine because otherwise i would literally be like jack nicholson in the shining right now just losing my mind
3: yeah that's amazing, man. What are, what are the brainwaves called that you mentioned? just
1: Theta then? brainwaves. So like right before you fall asleep at night, you go into theta brainwaves. So you're not quite asleep and you're not quite awake. Mm-hmm. It's like a dream state, like a, you're half awake, half asleep, and it drops you right down into that. And so people who have been meditating for 20 years. You'll get to that place the first time in the tank.
3: That's incredible. I know with other creatives and songwriters, et cetera, they say they write best when they're just super tired. So I guess that's almost that middle space, that dream space.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. Like right before you fall asleep or like right when you're waking up, you're kind of half awake, half asleep. It's that it's a different type of brainwave.
2: Yeah. That's some, and it's like uh, saline water. It's like all salt, right?
1: Yeah, it's 800 pounds of Epsom salt, which is cool because Epsom salt takes all the inflammation out of your body. So like I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? And I'm an old dude and I get, and I'm fighting like 20 year olds. The next day, if I don't go in the tank, I'm like, oh, I can't move. I'm so old. But I go in the tank and it takes all that inflammation out of my body and it relaxes all your muscles. And it's incredible. Like for recovery, like physically, mentally, emotionally, it totally recovers you. And people freak out when they see that I have it in my house. They're like, you have one of these things in your house. I'm like, well, people have hot tubs, right? Like you have a hot tub. I use this thing way more than I get, than people use their hot tub. Mm -hmm. And the benefits are bigger.
3: I mean, that's a, that's a good conversation, honestly, because um, when you look around your house, once you're, you know, you're stuck in your house for months and months, you start to question the structure of why you have things and what do they actually do? What purpose do they serve? So I do look around, I go, my house is slowly changing. I mean, it's being engulfed by instruments now. You know, I look at the couch and I'm like, I never sit on this couch. I never never do this, I never do this. So I'm getting rid of things and replacing them with useful things for me to actually utilize in my space. So the
1: quarantine is making you re-examine like what what's important and what's not important. Yeah, totally,
3: man. That's because like, cool. everything's easier to stay entertained if things are useful and productive. So I kind of, you know, I'm gardening. I'm like, <laughs> I'm doing all types of stuff over what here. What was that my...
2: studio that we did? Um, those live recordings in in London that had that desk that was in the middle. Remember that 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 huge console that was right in the middle of the room.
3: Yeah, man, that's Angel Studios.
2: That's what I imagine your house looks like now after you said. Oh, oh it's-
3: almost, almost. I, I get a lot of complaints from my neighbors because for a little while, I have a really tall ceiling in my living room, and I, I did drum recordings out here for a little while, which didn't fly with the neighbors at all. I live next to a guy from Tool, and even he was not stoked. So I have a soundproof basement now, which is which is also is where I do all my recordings. Which guy from <laughs> Tool? I think it's the guitar player, Adam. I bet you. Adam. Yeah, he's just down here. I think
2: we too. Uh, <laughs> Electric Love Hogs took them on their first tour ever. So if you ever have a real conversation, <laughs> say say hello from me. He knows me.
3: Oh my gosh, I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, that's cool. cool. Tool are fucking great. Really great band.
3: May I ask how did you guys get acquainted with each other?
2: Yeah, I've I've known John Paul um a long time. I mean, since since basically when when you stopped drinking. I mean, obviously. I remember one day talking with you about it, you know, and and the idea that being allergic to alcohol. And I, I think I used the joke that when I drink, I break I break out in handcuffs and in institutions. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you know, just like some stupid, uh, some stupid joke. And John Paul came on tour with Goldfinger. I mean, he he probably went back and forth for what? Two, three years maybe on the road with us. Yeah, I hooked I him should. up with Good Charlotte. He went on tour with Good Charlotte as well as like, like a trainer and spiritual guide or whatever you call it. So, tour sober Man.
1: coach, sober companion. So there's this weird world where they, sober companions, sober coaches started out for rock stars. Like when they'd come out of rehab and they had to go out yep. on the road and stay sober. And so I did this for a while with different people. Not with Feldy. Feldy was more of a coach for me.
2: I mean, there was there was a time. It's funny because I, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt, John Paul, but I just no. I mean, real real quick. I, I, you know, we've done his breath work, Ashton. Remember when we did those kind of where we we do one breath in in your stomach and one breath in your lungs the, That breathing that we did that the John Paul has the you know and and the interesting full circle is you know Matt Pauling, your roommate who was my old engineer, actually recorded. You doing the breathwork class that's online? That's that's who Ashton oh. lives with. Is remember you know, you remember Matt? I'm sure you remember Matt. Yeah, so, he
1: was tweaked out in the studio like this because he was going so hard. But I didn't want to leave the microphone because we were recording it. So I was like, oh man, he's really tweaked out right now. And he was like,
2: <laughs> with doing doing the breathwork, doing the breathing. And so,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, I think spirituality isn't like I'm not enlightened in any way, shape, or form. I'm just I teach something that helps people a lot. You know, I still get angry. I'm still a jerk. I'm still these things. I'm a lot less of those things now. And because I have some practices like the breath work and meditation and the flow tank and I do a lot of things. To be calm and kind and gentle. Right. And, and I'm not always that like even the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is a source for me to get out that other side because I think people don't want to don't want own that dark side of them. Like I think we all have a dark side and a light side. And so, mm-hmm. what do you do with that dark side? Like, how do you channel that dark side? And I channel it through jujitsu, and maybe you channel through music or whatever. But I think I think denying it is a mistake. I think owning it and like harnessing it is key,
3: right? Yeah, I think especially when people are proclaiming they're woke or spiritually <laughs> um intact, I think it could go two ways. I I often. Used to think in a similar way. What, how you articulated it's, you know, the fact that they're probably not. But it's not up to us to judge, I guess. But it does show that they're excited about it in some way, and they are curious, and they are thinking about changing their lives and their perspectives. And I think that's cool. I think you got to get excited. I mean, it's probably the opening incubation stage of developing a new mindset and consciousness for yourself, and that's why you talk about it a lot. I only stopped drinking maybe 10 months ago. For the first two months is all I could tell people, oh, I'm not drinking anymore. I'm so fucking excited because I'd never not been hung over in about 10 years. What happened? Like, What
2: was happening towards the end that kind of, what was the impetus of you stopping?
3: Well, I'm narcissistic in many ways. So I couldn't sing. I started to get fat. I couldn't drum and I was sick of myself. I was sick of being in pain. I wasn't physically able to be my usual self and my relationships were faulting. I didn't trust myself. Therefore, other people didn't trust me. So. I had to look at myself and be like, well, I used to be (laughs) a positive impact to people. And I really liked that side of myself. I liked to brighten people's days up. And I, I found that fleeting at the time. So I wanted to change. So I've been ever since then. But what I'm saying is when you're new to developing your consciousness in a spiritual way, I think you're probably just excited about it. That's why you say those things um totally. and hopefully those people don't slip that's the that's the thing We can't shoot them in the foot because <laughs> well I,
1: that's the part that scares me like people will put i don't want anyone to put me on a pedestal like i have a lot of students right and then it's like I, yeah you put me on a pedestal and then like i can still be a jerk like i don't want to you know and then yeah i thought you were the spiritual teacher i'm like nah, don't give me that label you know I, I read this, I was doing a little research on you, and I read this quote, and it said that uh, sometimes you're at war with your mental state.
3: Oh! <laughs> Do you remember that? Do you remember saying that? Probably not. Like. Man, I've done literally thousands of interviews, and sometimes I crack and be real. Yes. To an extent that I probably shouldn't be. Why? Um, What's wrong with well, that? Well, it allows people to place judgment on your current state of changing, and then- yeah. They ask questions about it but that's an old version of me where that came from. Or you said this, and that was five years ago when I was a shadow of myself. You know, I don't even know that person anymore. I built up a resilience and a toughness and a, and a bravery to articulate how I'm actually feeling. And because I think that really helps people. Once I am no longer in this space, the, the run doesn't last forever and the success doesn't last forever. And nor does the audience often. If I can look back and go, well, I was truthful with what I said and the pain and struggle I went through and I was transparent with the people that enjoyed my music, I will feel more accomplished than I would if I was fake and pretended that everything was good all the time.
1: Yeah. Um, that's really like evolved for someone your age. I mean, like impressively evolved, like Feldy has Feldy, like is one of the best storytellers I've ever seen in my life. And what's great about it is he comes in, he's so honest in his story, so real and so raw. Right. And I, and I've been, people have said to me in my classes, like, I will show up at a class after driving on the 101 to the 405 to the 10, like I get there and I'm like, I almost just choke somebody out in the parking lot now I'm going to put gratitude and love in your heart. So don't worry about it. And people laugh like, oh, my God, he's so real. Like, you know, whereas other meditation teachers are coming in and they're going, hello, everybody. I know Mercury's in retrograde today. And, and so well, one of the it, things that we wanted to find in this podcast was like, can we get people to be real? And like, what are you struggling with today? Like when people come in for a session with me, I'm go- I always just ask them, like, where do you feel stuck right now? Right. And it's right now. It's just right now. Like, where do you feel stuck right now? And like, let's go from there. So if yeah, I was to ask you that question, where, where, what would you say today? Like, where do you feel stuck today?
3: You know, these days, a lot of people, I'm focusing a lot on a lot of my lyrics that I'm writing at the moment. First of all, I'm writing songs on my own for the first time in a long time. I try to write once a day because, honestly, I just want to go into my 30s with lyricism that's unique to me. And I'm not going to get there if I just don't turn the tap on and and start flushing out all the bad stuff (laughs) on my own and seeing where I get to. What I'm struggling with is remaining positive. I'm having really enlightening and positive time on my own. A lot of people say, how are you coping with the craziness that's happening at the moment? It's so terrible. Everything's so terrible. And it is from that perspective, but I'm trying to just look around. So I'm trying to be, not go along with the crowd mentality of this is, a tragedy in your own personal life. It is a tragedy for humans individually. People can still have mission statements that are positive for themselves, if I'm making any sense.
1: You are. I mean, you made a conscious choice yeah, to get of course, something man, and you're big the out fucking,
2: of it. dude, I, I was just thinking about like what you've been through in, in your life and how you started when we met and what your journey has been. And I consider you like there's maybe five I could count five people on this hand who I love as much as you and Sean Paul's not one of them. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just, uh, I love you so much, man. And for me, it's it's been, I have been pushing myself harder since this quarantine has gone on than I've pushed myself in a long time, trying as a just as a writer and as a producer to step up whatever people are kind of giving me to help them with, whether I'm doing a Zoom call with a, a band or I'm writing a song on my own. I'm just trying to push myself. And for me, it's like, what, what does my daily routine look like? No matter how I feel when I wake up, whether I'm suicidal or homicidal or I'm filled with anxiety or, or I'm depressed or I wake up and I'm all right, I do the same thing no matter what what and that has been key since this quarantine has started for me you know i get up i pray i don't know what i pray to i believe that there's there's some sort of power that's governing the universe that keeps us all floating around this rock at exactly the the right miles per hour to keep us with grab i believe there's something out there and i i pray on my knees i get in my my 55 degree pool every day, no matter what. I meditate every day, no matter what. I work out every day, no matter what. And then at least there's some kind of consistency for my my mental state, whatever's going on up here, like that there's some sort of barometer that I can say, okay, well, instead of being at a 10 depression level or 10 excited level, I can sort of be like around six or seven, no matter what and never be too extreme. And for me, that's just been really key, having some kind of daily routine and I think John Paul talks a lot about gratitude it's not just about making a list for me anymore and I'm really really grateful I mean I was just thinking this morning when we were going to talk today I'm thinking about you know our trip up to San Simeon which is my favorite place in the world that you and I did and just being in the car listening to music and just hanging out just you me and Luke and that trip was so magic for me and, and you coming to Hawaii when my family was there I mean you are literally you're, you're like a family member to me you're like
1: this yeah you know
2: this this guy that i love so so much and and i was just thinking like how grateful i am and i can feel it when i feel it in my heart it means something when i do my gratitude lists I not, I not only try and think about 10 things I'm grateful for, I try and actually feel it like in my heart. Like, why am I grateful for my dog? She makes me go for a run. She licks the top of my head whenever I put my minoxidil in to try and grow hair out of the fucking back of my head. Like, she's just like a, this crazy little animal. And I try and think and really feel it with my kids. I don't know, man. I, I just, I love you so much. And I'm so grateful that we're just having a conversation, you know?
3: Love you too, man. That's very kind. No, it's for real. I, I think on terms of, in terms of gratitude, I found out in the past couple of months, I'm a lot more simplistic than I thought. <laughs> don't need that much at all. I think a lot of people will discover that too, whilst yeah. they're just at home. I, you know, your life could be so abundant in My, such a simple way.
1: I think that uh, you know gratitude is a feeling, right? So f- for me, gratitude when I'm grateful, it's like thank you thank you for my lungs, right? Thank you for my, thank you for my imagination. Thank you for my heart. And I actually made a gratitude thing. I have it on YouTube. It's like a guided gratitude because I was saying it right in the shower every day. I go, thank you for my feet. Thank you for my hands. And I'd start to bring in the emotion and like start to feel it. Like, thank you Mm -hmm. for my heart. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for kindness. Thank you for you know, thank you for my kids, like start to feel it. And once I can bring
3: that emotion in my body, then I'm feeling good. Right? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, uh, you could have been the person that taught me to speak to my own body. I don't know if you were, but you may have been, because I I would love to take
1: credit for that. (laughs) (laughs) Whether I was or wasn't, I'll I'll take credit for that. You know, they have studies that show people who have multiple personalities that when they turn into the other personality, their eye color can actually change. So that's how powerful your belief system is. Your belief system, what you believe can affect your physical body.
3: Mm -hmm. So So what I was, what I was saying is with people that are starting to have symptoms of Corona or, or anything like that, I, I had symptoms for about three weeks. And I think I haven't been tested for antibodies because I don't want to crowd the system at all. I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. Speaking of the lungs, speaking to the the immune system, and 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 trying to remain positive internally, so I don't just sit on the couch and get sick. Yeah, the belief system is very important for people to develop within themselves and trust themselves and trust how incredible they actually are.
1: Yeah, yeah, you have to see it before it can happen. You have to see it mm-hmm. in your in your mind's eye and start to believe it's going to happen. And yeah. I, I'm a strong believer in that. And it used to I used to think all that stuff was gobbledygook, but it's my everything. My whole belief system has changed, like. you know through the breath work and through other things that I found it's like it's changed who I am it's changed what I believe today
3: yeah I think as well recognizing acknowledging you were saying you acknowledge your fate you acknowledge whatever that's a big part of recovering from depression too Mm -hmm. I have been a very depressive human being for a very long time and a lot of creatives are and a lot of people are in general but once I started to bring gratitude into my life and attempt to recover and be a happier human you know not drinking and you actually do start to notice you know oh shit I'm actually young I'm still able to move and and I've never even looked at my hands or feet before and noticed how fucking incredible it is to even exist in the first place so it's a part of a recovering from depression I guess as well Um, yeah
1: I've never struggled with depression. I know Feldy might speak better to this than than me. But one of the things I've always heard, and I don't know if it's true or not, is that depression is about being stuck in the past. And anxiety is about getting out in the future. And if you can get yourself right into this present moment right here where your feet are, then, you, then you're fine, right? Like right here, we're just talking, we're having the thing, Zoom, the computer, mm-hmm. I'm breathing, my feet are here, like everything is fine in this moment. But if I start to get into my time machine and be like, well, my whole year is canceled out and all the events I was gonna, you know, I was like, I could start to get all worked up and anxious. For or me, it's th- like,
2: it's almost like this entity enters my body and it's oh. like, it takes over this, like it's this thing that just happens and it doesn't feel like there's any rhyme or reason to it. I mean, in, in my experience with depression, it's just like this thing enters me and it's like this weight is just pushing down on my soul. And so for me, like, I have to be consistent because I just, I know I'm not going to be laying on my deathbed, hopefully many years from now, wishing, God, I wish I would have worked more. I wish I would have worried more. You know, I know it's going to be, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. I wish I would have done the shit that I love more. I know when that time comes for me, I'm going to wish I did more of the stuff that I'm going to put off until after this project's done or until after this happens. And I'm sure some of it has to do with worrying about the future, but for me, it's like this entity that comes. And so I just don't fucking have time. I have to take the action. I can't think my way out of the depression. At least that's my experience. I guess the action has to be preceded by a thought and I have to think, I'm gonna get up, get in the pool, I'm gonna get on the elliptical, I'm gonna go boxing. I have to think that before I can actually do it, but I still have to, doing it is the is the most important thing. Taking the action is the most important thing for me to get out of it. And being around people for me is key. Like being locked up here, even on Zoom calls, has been so helpful. Like I feel like, holy shit, other people are in this thing with me. It's not just me. I'm not alone. And that is also really key for me to not feel like I'm doing this on my own. And I don't know. Maybe you can speak to what your sort of daily routine is, Ashton, or what you do to get out of that hole. I don't know.
3: I, I have operated in that depressive space for years, but I'm, I, I, I could bring it down to three useful things maybe. I mean, um, zooming out and observing your conscious mind um, is a really helpful tool for me. Looking at myself, okay, you're anxious, you're depressed, you're panicking, you're uh, stressed, you're tired. Just observing yourself in the most uh, clear and logical way possible and letting your uh, logical mind do that. Um, saying to yourself, I'm depressed. All the other complicated feelings and, and dialogue in your mind um, You can put them aside and just look at it and go, I'm depressed. What will make me feel better? Um, And then treat yourself like a child to some extent. (laughs) I need to exercise. I need to eat. I need to drink water like this. I need to stop doing these things because they make me more depressed. And discipline yourself. And over time, it will become second nature. But I also look at myself like sometimes like a bit of a test tube, like a science project, because I'm a touring musician. So I know I need XX and X for me to operate um, as organic matter, <laughs> um, which could be a little disassociative, but it's, it's um, important that you view yourself as something, uh, a, a machine sometimes. You need to keep moving in a healthy way. You need to keep operating and you know what you need to operate properly. So you're an intelligent being. So do, do that. Don't ignore that. Uh, take the steps every single day to operate in the best way that you know you can individually. And just be really, really dry with yourself. And that's what I do.
2: I love that inner, inner dialogue. I was thinking about it. every time I go on stage or every time I have to speak at some event, I always say, I'm going to fucking kill this. In my mind, I say that, I'm going to fucking mm-hmm. kill this. And, and it, the first time I did it, I said, that's ridiculous, John. Like this, that inner dialogue that I have of just yeah. like, like you're talking about the good wolf or the bad wolf. Like, what are you going to feed? And then I said, I'm going to say it anyway. I'm just going to say it. You know, and I said, I'm going to fucking kill this. And all of a sudden the show's over and, it, and I killed it. And I'm like, it was great. It's like that inner dialogue is so important. I'm so glad
3: you touched on that. That's one of the most brilliant things about consciousness. You can imagine what you want yourself to be or become
1: yeah i I think self-talk is everything like the most successful people on the planet will smith is a big proponent of this too like the most successful people on the planet are are, have really good self-talk it goes back to what we were talking about which was your is your belief system and one of the things you touched on ashton i think was important is i read something it's really important not to label it like i am depressed or i am angry instead saying something like i feel depressed right now or i feel a little Mm -hmm. angry because it's a feeling a feeling will pass right but like I am depressed. It's like you're you're now you've become that thing. You are uh-huh. that thing, right? So really being conscious of that self- talk, that language, like, I feel a little depressed right now and I can get out of it. So acknowledging it and then moving on or take, like John was saying, take an action to get into something, to feel, to get better, to feel better, right? Cause feelings come and go like clouds in the sky.
3: I, I like treating things as ideas as well. Everything is just an idea. You can live in that realm too. You know, it's an idea that I could feel better today. So why don't I explore it? Or, you know, cause your life can become repetitive. You have time to explore ideas that you might think are ridiculous even just a couple of days so if you don't think self-talk is real and it doesn't affect you why not explore the idea for a minute and see if it works
1: i I think everybody's exploring self-talk right now in quarantine like i (laughs) I think everybody's going down that rabbit hole because all the people who are wouldn't listen to them wouldn't do that normally are stuck inside and they don't have a choice right there's Mm -hmm. no choice but to explore it at this moment it's important that we're talking about it so it might help some people right to to get some good self-talk I, I'm curious, like, what Ashton? What's the one thing you're missing right now the most? Is there something you can put your finger on, like, God, oh, I really miss this? Thing.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's simple ideas of things that I miss, like performing in front of an audience. Mm. Um, I'm a very aggressive drummer, a very athletic performer. I'm. Uh, it's a out of body kind of medit- meditative state um, in a way. I kind of I say to people, I black out when I play. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and when I see when I see videos of myself playing drums, I don't even recognize myself. It's like an uncaged animal. I just lose Your my mind. <laughs> yeah. So I do miss that kind of flow state and enjoying that uh mindlessness when mm-hmm. I perform. I miss being able to travel to Australia. You know, I obviously live in California. I can't even go back to Australia at the moment to see my family. It's obviously closed borders and everything. So mm-hmm. That's the reality of the world, and that's a that's a crazy reality. coming to terms with that is is something you know my mom says she misses me, and when can she see me and I don't know mm-hmm. you know and that's the reality of the moment, yeah, I miss the freedom of that, but in terms of day to day life i I have to say I'm keeping it pretty positive at the moment and i'm not I'm not caught up in i don't often think about what I miss. Is that strange?
1: No, I think that's smart. <laughs> I probably shouldn't I just, have brought no, it up. It was probably st- like a bad thing to bring up on my part, but I'm just no, curious. Like...
3: No, not at all, mate. No, I just kind of a very forward motion. I used to be a, a swimmer and and a, a lady I worked with said, oh, you, all of you drummers are like sharks. You just keep moving forwards even when you're asleep. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm just like that. I just keep running forwards and I keep trying to create things. I'm just kind of crazy about that, especially in the... The age I'm at now, I'm 25, and three people who are very important to me have said, you know, you should be making the best art that you ever made right now. So don't worry about anything else and just keep keep uh, honing in on your craft. I to keep That's doing producing, that. going. <laughs> it's good man. I'm such a. When I was a kid, I was told by my parents that I we are bad at computers and. <laughs> so that stuck in my head forever until i was like well fuck this i'm not scared of computers i'm gonna learn how to do all this all the shortcuts everything um so i've been learning but i have a great obviously mentor matt paul has been teaching me everything he knows and you taught him almost everything he knows as well so um i've been learning daily and it's so inspiring i feel like i'm at school and i'm so bad at it but i love it and every time I produce a new song, it gets better, and I'm honing in on the things I'm interested in. So I, I set up a drum kit downstairs, and I'm recording live drones, and that's so fulfilling to me. I often don't like to be a backseat driver in the studio and be like, oh, it should sound like this, and I, I don't want to sound like an idiot anymore. I want to know how to do that and, and actually hone in on what I want things to sound like to be a more fulfilled artist I guess so yeah you're really great at reading the room and reading people
2: and knowing what people's moods are so I mean that's such a great attribute for a producer to be able to to tell when things are going straight or when you've got to pull back and say, <laughs> well, let's rewrite this part. This part isn't quite set in stone yet. And you're such mm-hmm. a great songwriter as well. So, I mean, knowing knowing how to go forward enough to know when to go backwards to fix stuff, but not mm-hmm. stop the momentum, you know? You're really good at that.
3: I think about, I don't think I want to produce bands or anything yet. I don't think that's for me. Thank I God. I, think still, about ha- I still have a job for today. <laughs> No, I often think about, I think about the diversity and the energy that you have to deal with, the perspectives, the randomness of dealing with a new group. Personalities. Yeah, the personalities, the juggling act of being, because you're, you're the, my favorite producer I ever worked with because you were a true mentor. You weren't biased. You were straightforward and accepting and you had wisdom but you still the child is still alive inside you're not dead inside (laughs) (laughs) and 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 that is so important because you're playful but you're intelligent and wise and you know your craft and you know how to accept an artist for what they are and i think that's the true true producer not without even touching an instrument or anything you're you're a great um you're fantastic at channeling And I just would like you to elaborate on that, really, for people to hear, because I think both of you, you know, John, you're a spiritual guide to some extent, and I know you don't like to overdo that, but uh, you're obviously great at channeling people's truth, and you both are doing really interesting things with channeling people's perspectives and and spirituality or creativity, Um, and they're both quite similar, so maybe that's why you're friends deep down. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well thank you for the kind words I was just thinking how um how hard it is to hear uh, so many times like I was sitting here I was going to stop you like about four times when you were saying those things I was going to stop you because it's like so hard to hear for me to take a compliment it's just like I I just you know and, and maybe it goes back to like you're you're talking about your mom or whoever telling you you weren't going to be good at computers and you know my father <laughs> my father was never uh, um supportive of my career in music I mean he was just he it was a different era my my dad was from the older generation and it was just like you go to school and then you work really hard and then you die and that was kind of the school that he came from and he was really I mean he was a nuclear physicist so he was the smartest man I'd ever met and when I started becoming you know interested in music I mean he really tried to shut it down and he only really said one time to me he said you're never gonna make it In music. He said that just once. And it's Mm -hmm. weird how that one time just stuck with me for so long. And when I started to have success in music with the electric love hogs, you know, it was like I had a really hard time letting it sink in. You know what I mean? Like the idea that like I was doing what I love and I was mm-hmm. actually making money and I, I didn't have to sell shoes for like that, whatever. That was about a two year window where I was making music in that band. And the older I get, and I think for me and everyone's different till I had my own kids, could I truly forgive my father? I mean, for me mm-hmm. and everyone's different. And I held that resentment for so fucking long. And then mm-hmm. I had kids and I go, Holy shit! This is the hardest goddamn thing I have ever done, ever in my Mm -hmm. life, and uh, and I understand now. I understand now why he would say things that he probably didn't even really mean. He may have set it off, and what the fuck did he know anyway? He's just a dude. But you know, for me, a a lot of life experience and being able to work with like, you know, I'll just say like fucking Craig Owens from Chiodos, who was like Mm -hmm. taking massive amounts of drugs in the studio, and one day he'd be. Normal like a normal human. The next day he's just sobbing in a in a ball and having to deal with, um, having to deal with those. You know there there's many of those experiences that I've had in my life. But had I not been sober, had I not been the age that I was, I would have probably lost it and just said I quit. I'm not I'm not able to do this. But because of my own life experience, have I been able to say how do I relate? To what he's going through because I've been through it. I've hit a bottom because of drugs and alcohol and I know what that feels like. And so I can use my experience, strength, and hope to help him. And, you know, sometimes I do have to leave the, leave the room and it's really difficult Ashton. And I know that you've worked with some difficult personalities and I have as well. And, um, how do we, respond rather than react. And for me, it's all the shit I already talked about meditation, prayer, you know, being able to take a deep breath instead of just saying the first thing. And I have said the first thing that's come to my head and I've blown relationships because of it. And only mm-hmm. through enough of those experiences do I know, look, I don't want to do that anymore in my life. I just, I want to have relationships that, that mean something that, and that can, that can last, you know, because it's more important for me to have friends than it is to have business Relationships, you know, and that stuff takes practice, time, and age, I think.
1: What's up? I am Machine Gun Kelly, and look, I know Halloween is going to suck this year because there's no trick or treating and all that,
2: but I've got a treat. There's a musical podcast that I made with my friends 24K Golden, Ian Dior, and Dana Dentata, and
1: Satan.
0: It's always Halloween. It's always
2: Halloween. Well, Satan's not my friend, but Tommy Lee is, and Tommy Lee is playing Satan.
0: But don't just take it from me. Tell him, Satan. Thanks, dude. It feels great to be playing Satan on this podcast. This Halloween, listen to Halloween in Hell on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or whatever you get your podcasts on. Soundtracks available on Spotify or wherever you stream your music but i mean like everybody's got a podcast these days but what would i know i'm satan for god's sakes don't even get me started
1: i was just thinking when you talked about your father saying that to you it's like that's probably the reason why you are as successful as you are because he said that to you i mean that's literally the gift that you got from that him saying you're never going to make it and you going i'm going to fucking prove you wrong and i've have worked i've been lucky enough to work with some of the most successful people on the planet and so many of them have been successful because A, I'm gonna prove this person wrong and this person wrong, but also that feeling of I'm not enough in some way. Like I've noticed that that's the thread that we all suffer from this lie inside of us. Like I'm not enough, I'm not talented enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not rich enough, I'm not funny enough, I'm not hairy enough. Like I am not enough. And that I'm not enoughness is what drives people like you guys to be successful. It's like, if I can get this Grammy, I'll be enough. And then you get the fucking Grammy and then you're like, oh, that didn't fix this big hole inside of me. still want
2: the fucking Grammy.
1: Of course. still want the Grammy. Once you get that Grammy, the next day is like the worst day because I've worked with four Grammy winners, four Oscar winners. And I'll tell you, it's like, and a couple Olympians. And as soon as they get that statue, it's like, oh, this didn't fill the hole like that I worked for for 20 years. And it's like, you think it's going to, but it doesn't. And that's when you're really screwed. It's like, oh, I got it. And now, ah. like what now? Like what's next? And so you ha- what the beauty of that is, is it forces you to, to dive deeper, either deeper into some more meaning in your life or deeper into the bottle. One or the other. It's usually what happens. They go in those two directions. That's what I've seen. You know, I mean, Feldy, the beautiful thing about you is you've helped so many people, not just in work, but in life, like people who have nothing, you know, not people you're working with, but just people who are just, you know, trying to get sober and need help. And I've watched you just help anyone that asks for help. And for you to not be able to sit there and take in Ashton telling you what an amazing mentor, it's like, that's where the growth is for you now. It's like, can I just take this in? I mean, I had a hard time when I was doing the classes and people were like you changed my life. And I was like, nah, I didn't do it. The breathwork did it. You know, like it wasn't me like taking it in, like just hearing that and being okay with like oh wow, like maybe I did help some people. Maybe I did help someone change their life. Like it takes a while to find that inside of yourself. I don't know. Maybe I went too far.
3: No, not at all. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to accept, uh, accept perspectives that you haven't heard before about yourself. When you never tell yourself that it's almost like alien words. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean- yeah. Ashton and I have talked a lot about, you know, through the, throughout the years, just about our experiences growing up. And I've, you know, I've heard stories that you've shared with me, Ashton, one-on-one that are just, um, you know, heartbreaking. And I have, I have a, a large collection of my own and, uh, and I think that there is something to the idea that you and I have come as far as we have, based on the adversity that we've faced in our life. You know, and I've I've been to Australia a, a bunch, and I I I know I know your people, I know your mom, and I know um your your siblings, and it's like you've got an am- amazing family and yet a, a challenging family, just like I do. It's like I guess everybody <laughs> has that, you know, the kind of give and take. What you've been through is definitely more. To get to from where you started to where you are is a, is a huge accomplishment, man.
3: Oh mate, I, I don't know what's going on half the time. I see a lot of <laughs> I see a lot of resistance, but I also see a lot of great people in my life now. So I'm I'm actually the most content I've ever been because a lot of people are teaching me rather than. Digressing me, or <laughs> uh, very supportive, and I, I'm happy to have friends like you, and I'm happy to be moving forwards like that shark I was talking about before. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, no, that's one of the best things about living in LA. A lot of people say that it gets to them, and see a lot of dreamers and productive people, and people with great individual wisdom and stories to share if you uh, manage to get the best of them. So I'm really grateful to to be over here from Australia, and uh, even speak with you guys. I mean, this is the coolest thing I've done in weeks. So <laughs> thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. We've loved having you, it's been, it's been amazing. You
1: And you went there, like you, uh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with your wisdom at your age. It's
3: just, it's mind blowing. Oh, I don't know, man. I've been sitting alone a lot thinking. <laughs> <laughs> you got me at a good time. I think you're <laughs> levitating
1: in that fire now, I don't know.
3: You no, know, i'm just sitting in a pool of sweat that's why i was late to this thing <laughs> <I was laughs> how's running. your vocal
1: did you do your
2: vocal lesson
3: today it's good man i i i've had to relearn how to sing you remember i could sing really high i used to be able yep. to sing quite high. <laughs> i mean my favorite vocalist was chris cornell i mean he's such a superstar to me and i i loved his vocal tone and the way he delivered a vocal and his lyricism was so truthful and i i really loved that guy uh and if I could sing like anyone, it would be like him. So I'm, I'm working on that. <laughs> he was so
2: effortless, wasn't he? Just an effortless singer. Awesome.
3: And like relearning how to sing after mistreating my voice for a long time has been really interesting. So um, yeah, I'm, that's, a, that's a mission for me at the moment, something I'm working on daily. I just imagine what it was like to record Hunger
2: Strike when they were doing that, um, that side project. Uh, what were they called?
3: With with Temple of Temple of the, the Dog, design. yeah, yeah so Temple of good. the Dog,
2: and, uh, and I was just I just listened, listened to that record last week, and it's like they can't they couldn't have spent that much time in the studio because it was such like a side project in between tours for both Pearl Jam and for Soundgarden. When Chris Cornell comes in, you're just like, holy shit, man! And and I can't imagine more than one or two takes. Like the guy just like saying like back in those days, recording on tape, you just had to mm-hmm. sing. You couldn't just edit. There's no autotune.
3: I mean, for songs like Black Hole Sun, he recorded his own vocal. He said, everyone leave the room and I'm going to do this on my own. (laughs) That's amazing, man. I know when
2: Fever was nominated for a Grammy, we were up against Chris and I knew that Chris was going to win. He had just passed away and his family, his wife and his kids took the award for him and spoke on his behalf. And it was arguably the most heartbreaking thing I have ever seen in my life. And I just think about my kids and I think about their future. And, uh, and I was thinking about, you know, when we were talking about in excess, you know, and Michael Hutchins and, and kind of his trajectory of, of life and how, you know, how suicide has had impacted his whole family. And it's just, um, man, it's such a tragedy. If, if you and I look at Chris Cornell, we look at the way he looks, the fucking, he was like a supermodel, you know, and his voice is like, I mean, who sings better than that, ever sung better than that guy. And uh, the pain he must have been in. And how can I, how can I just focus on what's right instead of mm-hmm. what's wrong? Because that, the power of that alone in my life has been, endless, you know, how it can just change everything. If I focus on what is going right, and I focus on what people want to be in my life, rather than trying to make people like me that don't, like that kind of shit is imperative for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I heard that someone say that uh, suicide doesn't take your pain away. It just gives it to the people who are around you that love you. And it's just so gnarly. I, you know, I have a lot of personal experience, with people that I've helped and that I've loved that have committed suicide. And it's, it's hard. You know, grief is the thing that gets, they say that the Chinese medicine, they say that grief and joy are in the lungs. And so mm. breathwork has been the only thing that's helped me move through that grief, breathing through that grief, because it gets stuck, you want to relive it. And it's painful. And I mean, Chris Cornell is just I Am The Highway, that song for me, I can just listen to that over and over in the shower and just think, God, how did he write those lyrics? Like, where did he come from with that? Like, where was he, what was he touching, like to get there, to to just go to that place? It's just such a heartbreak that we're never gonna hear another song like that he's written like that again, you know? Mm -hmm. His kids are just never going to get to see him again. I have this, I have this thing, this workshop that I used to do in LA and I have it on a course now on my website and it's called the transformational letter. And it was born out of this pain where I, someone I mentored for years committed suicide. And what you do is you write a letter to that person and you say everything you can't say to them and you put it in the letter, everything you've never been able to say, or can't say because they're gone or they're just never going to hear you, even if they're alive. And then you write a letter back from that person to you saying, and then you really discover like what it is you you need, like what you're trying to get out of this person. Like I've had people do it around their father who left when they were eight or whatever. And then you do a big breathwork session afterwards and it clears it all out and it changes that relationship. And it's probably the most powerful thing that I do that without a doubt, the transformational letter. And it's just like, and it was born out of this guy committing suicide and I couldn't get past it. I didn't know how to get Past the grief, and I felt because I felt responsible for him. I felt that I was his mentor and I was his sponsor, and I and I was supposed to be looking out for him. And the truth is, is that we can't. You know, we can only help people so much. You know, we don't have that much power. But I, I was giving myself too much power. Just brought it down again. I need I should have got, I should have had a bunch of coffee like you. If this I
2: love you, Ashton. Thanks, buddy. Wait,
3: am I actually are
1: we done? Are we done?
2: <laughs> yeah, dude, whatever, man. I love you, dude. And, and, and this has been super fun. And I just, uh, mental health is such an important topic.
1: Well, it's not just one thing. Like you do a whole routine. I have a whole routine too. Like there's not just one thing. Like breathwork helps. It's helped the most but like there's the flow tank, there's exercise, there's meditation, there's just the gratitude affirmations. There's so many things that I have to do to just be good some days. I don't know, like I have this amazing life. I have two beautiful, healthy kids and a wife that loves me and a house and all this stuff. And then I sometimes I go to sleep and I wake up in the morning you know, my kids are fighting with each other and the dog is shit on the carpet and my wife is mad at me for something I did in her fucking dream that I have no control over. And I'm like, what happened to my life while I was asleep? I don't know. You know, it doesn't make any sense. And I have to get on track. I have to get my, persp- my, percep- my perception back in by meditating, by breathing, by floating, by exercise, like all these things I have to do to get my perception back on track. And I'm impressed that you've turned this whole quarantine thing, Ashton, into this like really positive experience for yourself. Where you're you're learning shit, you're you're, you're learning new skills. You're focusing on. You've set goals for yourself, which is huge. And you're, you're like you're being productive. And you know, Tony Robbins is a great thing. It's like you don't have to do a lot. You just need to do a little something. Like you need to grow a little bit every day.
3: You definitely do. Well, I feel great after Good. being on here so thank you for having me <laughs> thanks for coming on yeah Yeah. thanks ashton uh, you're no, the best no worries guys no uh this has been great and it will guarantee to help people it's just nice to um push the positivity out there so yeah thank you again and thanks for having me guys thanks i'll for talk coming to you soon on. buddy see you guys Bye.